Today we're going to talk about the great confession. The great confession. And it has nothing to do with a confessional. The great confession is what Christianity has always been called. Since the beginning ages, it's called the great confession because that is how Christianity begins for every believer. Every single person who hears of Jesus and believes in Jesus begins their new life with God by a confession out of their mouth. Not a confession of sin. Confession of sin is for believers. For sinners, the confession needed out of their mouth is that Jesus Christ is Lord. The confession is that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. The confession is that the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is true and that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That's what Christianity is. That's where it begins. It is called the Great Confession. So we're going to talk about that because it goes in line with what we've already been talking about the past couple of weeks regarding the sower sowing the word. The sower sowing the word. Yes. And the word, or, or we could say the seed of the sower is the word of God. Saying God's word is how the whole kingdom of God operates. The kingdom of God is as if a man should cast seed into the ground and should sleep and rise day and night. And he doesn't know how, but that seed first sprouts the blade, then grows into the stalk, the ear, and then finally the full corn in the ear. And he doesn't know how this works. The farmer doesn't really know how that works, but he knows it works. So he always plants his seed and he always waters his seed and he always has expectation of fruitful harvest. Why? He's just following the system. That's how the kingdom of God operates. We sow our seed. We say a word of God. We confess truth and it goes in the ground of the kingdom of God, which is inside us. And it sprouts and grows and grows. And all of a sudden we get a miracle in our life. We don't even know how hardly. But if you can learn that the kingdom of God operates that way and then follow the system, you can have a changed life. You can have miracles happen in your life. You can actually see what you believe come to pass. But you can't just sit there and believe it. You can't just sit there and believe, oh yes, I believe that holy book. I don't want to get too close to it, but I believe what's in there is from God. That's like laying your little pack of seeds in the, in the workshop and never planting them. Oh no, you got to plant those seeds and then you can get a harvest. You got to say those scriptures that are in this holy book, then you can get a harvest. You're going to have to get verbal with this holy book if you're ever going to see God move in your life. You're going to have to get verbal with scriptures that God has promised for thousands of years. You're going to have to get verbal with them or you will never see the kingdom of God operate for you because the kingdom of God operates as if a man should cast seed into the ground. Okay, that's it. God bless you. That's how simple it is. You could just run. Jesus said, if you understand this, you'll understand all the parables of the kingdom. All those parables, all that teaching Jesus did, he said this, if you can understand this, you'll catch everything else. Christianity operates different than the world. It operates by the confession of your lips. It operates by the belief in your heart 
And that belief coming out of your mouth verbally is how all wonderful things happen for us. So you're going to have to start saying right things. And you're going to have to stop saying dumb things. You're going to have to stop talking like the world. You're going to have to stop talking like an unbeliever. You're going to have to stop talking like television, media, sinners, heathens, unbelievers, people that have no covenant. You have to quit talking like them. You're going to have to quit learning new vocabulary from the younger generation. Every generation wants to be cuter than the next. I mean, than the previous. Every generation wants to be cooler and cuter and come up with something new and unique. There is nothing new under the sun. There's nothing new. You think you came up with some brand new idea? No, somebody else already had it. Praise the Lord. Romans 10, 9, it's our great confession that if you confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in thine heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. If you're not saved, if you're in here and you're not saved yet, the way that you can be saved is not by trying to join a religious organization. It's by believing in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and saying that with your mouth, that Jesus is Lord. I acknowledge him as son of God. I allow him to be my Lord and I bow before him in faith. And then you're saved. He hears it, he sees it, and he does something in your spirit because you followed the principle of belief and words. So wonderful, isn't it? Well, hint, hint, that's how you get every other miracle. You believe in your heart what God has said and then you say it out loud on purpose with your mouth and then I don't know how, but it works. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. So the tongue confessing right things is how Christianity operates. Christianity does not operate by us just trying to be good people. People say, well, I believe Jesus was a good man and he showed us how to live a good life. No, no, that's not what Christianity is. It includes it, but that's not what Christianity, Christianity is the great confession. Christianity is a bunch of these people running around acting like their words matter. If you read stories of the miracle workers of old, whether it's from the Bible, whether it's from Jesus, what the apostles or any other uh, believer or preacher through the ages, it's always included some powerful dominating words. Amen. Miracles happen. Even in the old Testament, prophets had to say something. Prophets had to command something. Jesus had to instruct something. Go and show yourself to the priest. Words had to be spoken. The centurion knew that. The non-Jewish guy knew that this was important, that words matter. He went to Jesus and said, hey, you don't have to come to my house. Just speak the word only. He knew that words cause miracles. Your magic wand from the male order does not produce miracles. No dust no, no, nothing produces miracles without words. You can do 55 flip-flops in the gym. It won't make a miracle. You can be the best without words. It, it won't work. The Lord says every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. Every tongue confesses Jesus is Lord. Philippians 2, every tongue should confess Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. 
one day everybody will be forced to bow and confess. 1 John 4, every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. If you can't confess Jesus Christ is Lord with conviction from your heart, you're not of God. And you have the spirit of Antichrist. That's what the Bible says. You may not be the Antichrist, but that's how the Antichrist thinks. And that spirit is on a bunch of people who want to make fun of Jesus. Uh, Turn to Hebrews chapter 10, please. Hebrews 10, we'll start there. Uh, Remember what Jesus asked the disciples? He said, you know, uh, who who do men say that I am in the middle of his ministry? You know, because Jesus wasn't going around with the flag saying, I'm God, I'm God, I'm God. He was doing the gospel. He's preaching the gospel. He was showing us how to do the gospel right. Healing the sick, getting people saved to God getting people delivered from demons, teaching the new ways of the kingdom of God, which nobody had. Nobody had before Jesus. Nobody knew how this kingdom really operated before Jesus. The prophets would kind of mimic what God was saying to them, but nobody understood. And nobody could live in the kingdom because the kingdom did not exist for us until Jesus Christ. Before the cross, the law and the prophets ruled. But since then, Jesus said, the kingdom of God has been preached. Kingdom of God's brand new, brand new way of living since the cross of Jesus Christ, since Jesus actually walked the earth. And so Jesus said, who do men say that I am? And the disciples, well, some say you're John the Baptist, some say Elijah, some say Jeremiah, other prophets. And then he said, but who do you say that I am? And then Simon Peter said, uh, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, ah, flesh and blood hadn't revealed this. You, but my father, which is in heaven, revealed it to your heart, to your spirit. You got to say stuff from your heart, believe stuff in your heart. And he said, your name's now going to be called Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. What rock? Not Peter himself, but Peter's revelation and confession. Peter's revelation that Jesus is the Son of God, the Christ, the anointed one, the planned Messiah, the coming Savior. Oh, you're the one. And then by saying it out of his mouth, that's the rock. The great confession is that you believe the truth of God and say it out of your mouth. It all begins with admitting verbally that Jesus is Lord. Matter of fact, if you've heard enough already, you can be saved already in here. So just take a, take a quick five seconds of contemplation. Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Okay, then simply say this out loud. Say, I believe, I believe Jesus, is Jesus is the Son of God. And I declare him to be Lord of my life. And that settles it. If you said that with your heart, from your heart, with your mouth, he just saved your soul. And you can probably feel a little smile coming. Yeah, if that's the first time you've ever done that, you're probably feeling a little, a little smile coming, a little joy coming, a little peace. Something's changed. It's like, wow, I felt something there. Yeah, what you felt was the Spirit of God doing a miracle in your spirit. It's hard to describe and it's hard to put your finger on what just happened, but it happened. Jesus compared it to the wind blowing. He said, as the wind comes from there and goes here and you don't know where you can't see it, but something's there. Like you can't really describe the wind, but you can feel it. 
So it is when someone's born again. Praise the Lord. Anybody just do that for the first time and just got born again and you, you just prayed that from your heart the first time ever? Anybody? Over here, praise the Lord. Good job. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Welcome to the family of God. That's all it takes. That's all it takes. Now, that's, that's only the first step. Now, now, now you get to learn. Now you get to walk close to God, close to the Lord Jesus Christ. Learn the Bible. Hallelujah. But it all begins with your first great confession. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 10. Verse 19. I'm going to read several scriptures, get to verse 23, but I wanted to start with verse 19. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. We're coming close to God by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil. That's his flesh. That's teaching from the Old Testament. And having a high priest over the house of God, verse 22, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience. And our bodies washed with pure water. Because of Jesus and his blood sacrifice, we can come close to God being purified by his blood. Verse 23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. Notice that. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope or the profession of our faith. King James uses faith. The confession of our hope, the profession of our faith, the thing we're saying about what we believe. Let us hold fast. Americans would say, hold that tight. Get a good grip on what you believe. And you hold tight what you're saying about it. You gotta believe the right thing and you gotta hold tight. If you're gonna pray to God, you better find a prayer, a, a promise in the Bible that you can hang on to when you pray. Right. Don't just be throwing up a bunch of wishes. Oh God, if you could, if it's your will, if you could possibly, I don't know, if, I don't know what, I don't know God, maybe you could do this or I don't know, maybe that or I don't know what you want or whatever. Oh, come on, come on. You're never getting anything from God. You're, you're wishy-washy, you're wavering. Don't let anybody think they'll get anything from God if you're double-minded like that. Okay, that's James chapter one. I can't let you think you're getting anything if you're just gonna throw up a bunch of hopes and wishes and dreams. You're gonna have to hang on to something. You're gonna have to either read it in the Bible or hear it from God's spirit. You're gonna have to hang on to it for dear life. Like, no, 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 I'm, no, 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 I'm not gonna say anything except what I believe. You're gonna have to hold fast to what you say. You're gonna have to confess right and stay there until the miracle happens. You're gonna have to plant your seed and water that same spot. And water it, and, and water it, and water it, and water it. What? How long? How long? Until, until, until. How many of you have planted seeds for fun? And then nothing happened. Because, oh, I forgot to water them for five days. I'll just raise my hand for you. This, I had this grand idea to go plant seeds. Matter of fact, when we planted these palm trees, they made all these dates, real dates. And so I got a whole bunch of them. I bought a little bunch of containers and put them all in there, and I was going to raise palm trees. I thought, man, we could have a whole plethora of palm trees. We could just plant them all over the place. You know where those things are? 
Those little containers that have dirt in them now, is, they're in my backyard all. You can't, I can't, I went out of town for a week, couldn't, couldn't water my seeds right. But when it comes to spiritual stuff, you better water your seeds. Amen. Don't be careless with spiritual stuff. And granted, a lot of people have done this. We've all done this. We've had a grand idea in church. The message inspired us. Okay, that's it. I'm going to believe this and I'm going to say this because I need this to happen in my life. And we start off on Sunday and by Monday afternoon, we forgot. The preacher sprayed water, helped you spray water on Sunday on what you believe, but you forgot all about it till Friday. Oh, that's right. What was last Sunday? Let's see, last Sunday we, we did something about faith. And that's why spiritual things take so long for us. We're not being focused. We're not really expecting that seed to do anything because we, we forget that there's really a miracle in those seeds. There's a miracle in those dates. There's a miracle in those acorns. There's a miracle inside every seed. There's a miracle inside every scripture if you'll say it and plant it and water it and say it again and water it again and say it again. There's a miracle in there. You gotta believe that principle. Hold fast to the confession of our hope and our faith without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. God is faithful to make sure the kingdom works for you. God is faithful to make sure that this Bible comes to pass for you. If you don't waver without wavering, let us hold fast. Let's keep saying the truth without wavering because he's faithful. He'll bring this to pass. If you don't waver, he'll bring this to pass. If you'll just hang in there. And that's why he even talks about, you need to believe in Jesus, your savior till the end. Hold fast to that. Mean, believe that all the way until you go to heaven or all the way until your body dies or all the way until Jesus comes. You better hold fast to the fact that Jesus is your savior. You don't want to get into your 50s and 60s and start doubting it. I can't make any promises. If you start doubting that Jesus is the son of God and the savior, you hold fast to that. I don't care how many devils lie to you. I don't care how many best friends and family members talk you out of it. You hold fast to what you believe about Jesus Christ. Don't you dare get embarrassed about this eternal truth. And if you're expecting a miracle, you hold fast to it. Don't tell people. If they're not believers, don't you tell them what you're doing. You just go out in the backyard and water your seed until the tree comes up. Because if I, if, I if I told Pastor Joni, hey, I'm going to go plant some seeds, she would say, you know, you're going to forget to water. <laughs> she would be right. But the point is people will talk you out. If you go sharing all your best stuff with people that don't really have that same desire, you're going to. Well, Jesus said it this way. He said, do not cast your pearls before swine, nor give that which is holy to the dogs, lest they trample them underfoot. What does that mean? Well, that means don't be a pig. That means, don't, well, here's a good question. Are you a swine? Do you trample? 
Do you trample holy things? Do you devalue spiritual things? Do you, somebody reading the Bible, somebody teaching, do you despise it, count it little, devalue it? Hopefully none of you here do, but maybe at the house somebody's doing it. Why don't they, why don't they? Because they're swine. Pigs don't value any pearl, so why would you want to explain it to them? Now, this is important. You got a holy thing, and you show your puppy. Maybe you got a brand, you got a brand new Bible, and you show your puppy. This is holy. It means nothing. Don't even try it. That's why Jesus said if, if, if somebody doesn't welcome you, into your city or hear your word, shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them and you get out of there. Don't, give, don't try to give holy things to people who don't believe. You share the gospel, if they believe it and they receive it, that's wonderful. If they reject you, they're rejecting God, stop. Stop cramming stuff down your family's throat. That's throwing pearls before swine. So for Christmas, you can get your family a little... I don't know, pig stickers. No, I'm just kidding. No, I'm just kidding, just kidding. This is for you and I, it's not to go make fun of people. Even though I just did, but this is for you and I to recognize when to explain holy things and when not to. At least you shouldn't devalue real Bible stuff, real kingdom, real gospel, okay? It's very valuable. It's very valuable. Jesus is extremely valuable extremely, I mean like supremely valuable, invaluable, so valuable you can't put a price on him. And this is where you can find any, you know, anybody that really hates when church talks about money doesn't value anything that happens here. It's real simple. Anybody that clinches up when money's talked about doesn't value the Bible the gospel, the next person getting saved, the next Christian getting closer to God, the things of the Holy Spirit, the spreading around the world of this gospel, the care for ministers, the, all the wonderful holy good things that churches do. Anybody that has a problem with money going to God through the church doesn't value. They got a little swine in them. Maybe they look like a, a, just a Christian, but they got a little curly tail. <laughs> Don't be that. Amen. Don't be that way. We're going to clip your little tail off. <laughs> if you let me, if you stay long enough, I'll clip your little tail off for you. <laughs> There's other people that have other problems. You know, I don't like talking in tongue stuff. Give me my scissors. Getting, getting upset when people in church get too excited or getting upset when somebody speaks in tongues and uh, you know, I don't know about all that. You better stop that. Why don't you open your Bible? Why don't you cut off the television and go read some Bible and open up your heart to God for a change? Why don't you quit being such a know-it-all because your childhood denomination taught you wrong? Just weird stuff like that. Come on, we're trying to help us all get to the Bible. We're all getting to the Bible so we can learn the things of God right. 
And if it ain't right, we'll fix it the next week. Praise the Lord. All right, Hebrews chapter four. I mean, listen, hey, you start talking like this and there's a whole group of Christians who start labeling us, oh, that's those word people. You betcha. What are you, crazy? You're gonna try to live Christian life without the word? You're gonna try to take every other scripture literally? No, we take them all literally. Amen. There's a whole group of Christians that are going to look at you and say, up, up, you're one of those faith people. Amen. You bet I am. And you're a curly tail if you don't. <laughs> but we have, we have patience. The Bible says to instruct those that oppose themselves that the man of God should be patient, apt to teach that we should recognize, look, people are just slow sometimes. Let me explain it to you a little slower. <laughs> Hebrews chapter four, verse 12. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. All right, so here's the scripture that is elevating the word of God to this sword, this sharp sword. The word of God needs to be very highly elevated in your life. Amen. Like, this is it. This, this is everything to us. This word of God is magnified so high, God says magnified above his own name. So what God has said is really, really important and really valuable. That's why we don't just throw pearls all over the swine pen. Here it says the word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. I'm not going to teach fully on this scripture, but the, the two-edged sword uh, is, a, is a Greek word, dystomos, di meaning two, stomos meaning mouth. Two-edged sword means a two-mouthed sword. You can look it up for yourself. Stomos means mouth. Two mouths. The word of God has two mouths. God has said it. Now we need to say it. People say, well, God said it, so it'll come to pass. Not if you don't say it. For this earth to be impacted, God says it, but he needs a human to take it and repeat it. He needs a human to take it, believe it, act on it. This word has two mouths. God said it, yes. But if everything that God said came to pass in your life, you would have no need. Y'all would be floating on clouds already. Well, we could just say it this way. You'd all be happy right now. If everything God had said was just automatic for your life, everybody would be saved. Everybody be full of the spirit. Everybody be walking in love. Everybody be nice. Everybody be happy. The only reason you have prayer requests is because not everything God has said has come to pass yet because he needs you to believe it and say it. Two mouth sword. Take his word as the living and powerful sword that needs your mouth for this earth to change. 
Now you start talking like that, people are like, oh my God, what are you saying? That we have something to do with it? I didn't say that. Jesus said it. Go to Mark 11. Read the word. Consume the word until it consumes you. Believe the word. Say the word. Act on the word. It's everything to us. Proverbs says life and death are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. If you can start admiring the power you have in your tongue, you'll start having some heavenly fruit. Because you're stopping from saying the wrong stupid stuff and now you're saying holy things. Now you're quoting God. Now you're on his level saying his type of, with his type of language. Proverbs 12, 6 says, the mouth of the upright will deliver them. You ever felt like you needed to be delivered from something? Your mouth will deliver you. I said, your mouth will deliver you. Now, God will be the deliverer, yes, but your mouth is the trigger for his power to take root, take place in your life. On the other hand, Proverbs 6.2 says, you are snared by the words of your mouth. You feel trapped? Your mouth did it. Well, I just don't know if I'm gonna be able to keep this job. Oh my, stop that. Well, I just don't, have, I don't, know how, I don't know how we're going to make it. I don't know how I'm going to, I don't know how I'm going to get a car. Oh, come on. Stop expressing the negative loss in life. You're snared by your own words. Find a scripture and say that and said, what scripture? I don't know. Find one. Philippians 419, my God shall supply all my need according to his riches, not according to my Education, not according to my family, not according to my history. Uh, Mark eleven twenty two, Jesus answered and said to them, "Have faith in God." Having faith in God also includes verse twenty three and twenty four and twenty five. For surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, "Be removed and be cast into the sea." and does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things which he says shall come to pass, he will have whatever he says. Notice this says part, say part. You'll have whatever you says. If you say to the problem, this is literal and figurative, meaning if you had a mountain you needed to move, you could say something to it. But figuratively, you have lots of mountains in your life. Say something to them. That doesn't mean speak to your spouse spouse in a harsh way. I command you, oh woman. No, no, that's not your mountain. Your mountain is your attitude. Your mountain is your little self-absorbed. Offended self. Speak to your self-absorbed, offended self and say, self, you, sh- you quit being so offended. You go look in the mirror and say something to you. Your problem is you, not your spouse. 
But I went to the psychiatrist and they told me to tell, tell them all my problems. And so I, I spent two hours telling them how wrong my spouse is. Yeah. Now go home, go to the mirror and speak to the real mountain. But there's other figurative mountains in your life. Could be debt, could be empty bank account, could be, I don't know, lots of things. Health problem. Whoever says to the mountain, be removed and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he'll have whatever he says. He'll have whatever he says. He'll have whatever he says. Not whatever he wants, but whatever he says. You're going to have to get your mouth in on this. Just be a Bible person. Say, okay, okay, okay. It sounds weird. It, it seems, it feels weird to speak to myself in the mirror. It feels weird to talk to my bank account. It feels very strange to talk to a, a, a broke leg or a, a pain in the body. It feels weird. It feels weird, especially to do it more than once. Well, don't tell the farmer that he's got to water every day. Verse 24, therefore I say to you, whatever things you desire when you pray, believe you receive them and you will have them. <clears throat> These are principles and you're going to have to be okay with it. Is everybody okay with it? Yes. Christians are kind of strange in this. You know, we act, like you're, we act like you can get saved by just praying a prayer. Other false denominations don't do it that way. You got to do 13 things and not violate the others. The Orthodox Jews, you've got to obey the 10 commandments and the other 603 commandments, plus all the rabbinical commandments that they made up after the law. And then all of a sudden, Christian show, all of a sudden a person comes in and says, I believe in Jesus Christ. Boom, they're saved and they get to go to heaven. It's strange. Yeah, but they weren't even that good. They weren't even as good as the next person. Got saved by my belief in my heart and my confession of my lips is how I got saved. Thou shalt be saved. It's just a little flipped. It's a little backwards. Let me give you some examples of application. You need some? What do you mean? Okay. Well, you're going to have to do some work at home. You get, you get homework assignment. The Bible gives you homework assignments, meaning you're going to have to put these to practice, but I'll show you how to do it here in church so you can go home and practice it. Amen. You know, a football team, they go into the room and they, the coach talks and tells them all this stuff. And then they got to take the playbook home and go practice. They got to get it in them. Then they got to execute and they got to practice and practice. They got to start putting some motion to it and some words into it and start Applying it. So here's some examples of application. Every human needs an identity change. You cannot live with your old worldly identity. Okay. Young generation, the identity, they've lost their identity. People lose their identity. Through time, they lose their identity. Life goes on and people are, I don't even know who I am anymore. Or maybe you recognize, man, I'm just, I'm just kind of whacked out. Well, you know, a lot of preaching is done to this new generation. Really, I don't need to preach to the new generation to help because they, they have their own identity. We got to preach to them differently. Well, not really. That's right. Not really. They, 
This whole generation is looking for their identity. They're never going to find it. You can't identify with your generation. You can't identify with your uh, gender. I don't walk around thinking, I'm a man. I'm a man. I got to be a man. I got to be somehow, somehow I got to be a man. No, I, I, you, don't, you, that's not, you don't find your identity in your race, your location, your birthplace, your family. You don't find identity that way. If, if that's you, you're, you're lost. If that's you, you need a little help. Because if you, once you want, all people need, all people need, all they need is to get saved. They enter in a new family. They get a new start, born again. Jesus becomes their new brother, their new Lord, their new master. And they find their identity in Christ. Your identity must be, listen, your identity must be solely in Christ. To be a healthy Christian, solely in Christ. Solely. If you're going to be healthy and really strong as a Christian, your identity must be solely in Christ. That God has saved me and he's in me and he's my God and I'm his child and it doesn't matter anything else. Doesn't matter what city I live in, what country I live in, doesn't matter where I came from, I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. And that's why when I got born again, when I, when, I, when I devoted my life, got in the kingdom of God, I sensed this, I felt this, I knew this. So I took my Texas A&M Aggie sticker off my windshield. Yeah. Not my windshield, my back window. That was an important sticker for me. My identity was that I was a Texas A&M Aggie. Can I get a whoop? <laughs> and the others are like, oh, there he goes again. Aren't you glad I took my sticker off? Aren't you glad I'm not tooting around here like I'm, I'm an Aggie? No, the, on, the only thing that changed with me is I realized my new identity. And I want to make sure that I identify with Christ alone. There's no other place. Like if people out there that I meet don't like the Houston Astros, I'm okay. Not mad at them. They're mad at us, but I'm not mad at them. <laughs> and you can carry it on into everything in your life. Your identity should be in Christ. And if it's not, then you haven't done any work to get there. You haven't read any scripture. Here's a scripture that you need to plant into the kingdom of God. Here's a scripture that you need to say out of your mouth so that it takes root in you and you start changing. First John 4, 4, greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. This was one of my first scriptures, changed my whole life. Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. Greater is he, God within me, Christ in me, the hope of glory. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Now who's in the world? Well, you people are in the world. The devil's in the world. And I'm in the world. Greater is he that's in me than me. All of a sudden, I'm not so big after all. All of a sudden, it's not about me anyway. It's greater is he that's in me. Whew, greater is he that's in me. Greater is he that's in me than any sickness, than any demon, than any fear, 
than any problem. Greater is he that's in me than anything else. Wait a second. Greater is he that's in me than anything else. Greater is he that's in me than a robber. Greater is he that's in me than any kind of evil that should befall. No evil shall befall. Whoa! Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. That's part of my life. That's why I'm not afraid of anything. It'll change you. Look, some of, some of you are dealing with all sorts of fears, and you know it. Stick around, and we'll help you get through. Get, get through. Here, here's a quick way to get through at least a few of your fears right now. Let's say those words out. How many of you believe 1 John 4, 4? Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Okay, let's say it. Say, greater, greater is, he is he who is in me, is in me. than he who's in the world. All right. All of a sudden, a little, a little dust, a little dust just shook off you. It's like the, they tried to bury the mule, old, old mule, close to death, dug a big hole, farmer threw his mule in, going to bury him, <clears throat> started shoveling dirt on the mule, and every time he shoveled the dirt, the, the mule would shake it and step up. Shoveling, shoveling, shoveling. He'd just shake it and step up. Before you know it, the dirt was all the way up to the top. He just walked out. You have to say some stuff. And on top of your problem, just say it and then step on top of your problem. Say it and step on top of your fear. Say it and step on top. Say it and step on top. You're going to have to start saying some things if you want life to change. You're going to need a new identity. You can bust your fears with this. By saying 2 Timothy 1, 7, God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of sound mind. That settles it and that settles it. I'm not afraid of anything. I used that same principle and found a wife. God's got a wife for me. God's got a wife for me. Everybody that asks me, God's got her. She's coming. She's coming. She came. You can start walking in love saying this. Say, I'm walking in love today. I'm not going to be offended today. I'm gentle and kind and peaceful and patient and long-suffering with everybody, especially my spouse. You can get delivered from the love of money this way. I'm not loving money. I do not love money. I pursue righteousness and faith and holiness and meekness and gentleness. I'm going after holy spiritual things, not money. But if you'll say it, just go ahead and practice it. Say it out loud. Say, I am not a lover of money. I am no longer chasing money. I'm not even going to think about it this week. Start believing right things and saying right things. And before you know it, your life will be filled with the kingdom of God instead of you chasing money. Amen. You can say it about your child. People praying for their child, start saying right things about your child. Finances, same thing. Start saying right things about your finances. Health and healing, start saying right things about your healing. Maybe you need healing today. We're gonna have a time of prayer in, in, in a moment. And if you need to be healed, why don't you come up here and get healed? But before you do, why don't you say something? In Mark chapter five, the woman with the issue of blood, it says that when she heard of Jesus, she said, when she heard of Jesus, she didn't just come, she said, if I may but touch his clothes, I shall be made whole. Amen. Matthew says, she said within herself, she said within herself, if I may touch but the hem of his garment, I shall be made well. 
she said before she came. Why don't you sit there for the next few minutes and decide something and say it to yourself, whisper it out louder, say it with all your heart, I don't care, and then come up and get healed. Say before you come up, I'm gonna be healed. Say within yourself, as soon as they lay hands on me, I'm gonna be healed. Use the principle. Come on, you gotta use the principle. You gotta believe it and you gotta say it like you mean it. Don't be silently trying to believe God. Thank you for joining Pastors Chaz and Joni today from Houston Faith Church. If you're looking for a good home church in Houston, Texas, we'd like to invite you to be our guest anytime. What you'll find is that Houston Faith Church is highly committed to the Word of God, the love of God, and the Spirit-filled life and ministry that Jesus expects. We know that everyone wants to make a difference in this life and that the great commission of the Lord Jesus Christ is the main thing for all of us. You'll find your purpose here and grow strong in faith at Houston Faith Church. Find more faith-building resources on our YouTube channel or subscribe to our free audio podcast. You can also connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. See you soon.